Blog Talk Radio. and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports. Guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike. Championship five out of the last eight weeks, Mike. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Red versus Blue High Stakes Fantasy Radio, wherever you may be. Thanks for making us part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the world of high stakes fantasy football, and you know it by now. As always, I'm joined by the Big Blue co-host from Brandenburg, Kentucky, Michael Trent. Mikey, week nine is here, and I told you, okay? We had this conversation, what, three weeks in a row now? I told you. Take the Chargers defense. I told you two weeks ago to be looking forward to this game. The Chargers uh, defense was about the only good thing we had last night. What's up, buddy? <laughs> Pretty good, Scott. Hey, uh, hope everybody's joining uh, in the uh, chat and everything. Uh, we're going to have a great show. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> I, I love the fact uh, that you had the San Diego Chargers defense. Uh Scott, really, uh, break this down. How did you know that they were going to break out 
uh, this week against Kansas City? <clears throat> well, it was process of elimination. You know, uh, we we had uh, Brady Quinn starting right, and we knew that was uh, that team is in disarray. The coaching staff doesn't have a clue what the heck they're doing. And it's really sad. I feel really bad for all the Jamal Charles owners. It looked like he was going to be this monster. He definitely helped you win a couple of games already. But we're just seeing signs that they don't know what they have in Jamal Charles. And he, he it's just it's almost like the other side of the ball. You know, you got Ryan Matthews on the other side, and he averaged five yards a carry. And, again, you got to feel for the Ryan Matthews owners, right? Exactly. And I, I'll, tell you something, I'll tell you something else, Scott, is uh, Ronnie Brown outscored Jamal Charles last night. And, you know, I mean, that's a guy that that I have in a couple of leagues just as a flyer and as a must start because in one league I got a bunch of Patriots and they're on about this week. But I started Ronnie Brown and I'm going, holy crap, at the end of the day, he had more fantasy points scored than uh, Jamal Charles. Yeah, and that's what we continue to see. They don't, like I said, they don't know what they have, uh, I don't think, in Ryan Matthews uh, or in Jamal Charles. But, uh, hey, it's week nine in the National Football League. we got teams on by. Obviously, the New England Patriots, the New York Jets, not that there's much fantasy value there. The Niners, again, not a lot of offensive talent. And the Rams. So, really, at the end of the day, Mike, if you have Patriots, uh, they're on by. Everybody else really didn't have a big difference. So, this is kind of like a full slate of, of teams in week nine. And so uh, we've got one game out of the way and we have what, 12, 13 and more to go. So let's start by uh, making sure that everybody knows Jeffrey Schmidt is on our show tonight, the mid stakes uh, championship leader, five out of the last eight weeks. Uh, We did have a special announcement this week regarding uh, my future in the uh, full-time fantasy sports. Uh, very good pleasure to uh, join up with Ian Ritchie and Emil Cadillac and join the uh, f- full-time team, uh, the purchase of FFToolbox.com, millions of users there that we can actually impact and affect. Mike, it's pretty cool. The family's pretty stoked. We've been uh, working on this thing for a couple of months now. We finally got it done. The ink is now dry, and uh, we're looking forward to bringing games to, you know, there's uh, 30 million people out there, and I don't think we've even scraped the surface to the crowd of the uh, the contests that are out there. There's there's so much, so many people that need to know what is going on in the fantasy world with the uh, games that we have to, available, the Roto Bowl, the mid stakes, the, uh, the all of the high stakes contests that are out there. Just exposing everybody to this stuff is going to be so much fun. I'm, I, I'm I can't wait to get started. And uh, today was a fun day. Well, it sounds like you're uh, very excited about it, Scott. And, uh, you know, I I think uh, your passion comes through uh, not only through the show, uh, which we all, we obviously know that. But uh, so uh, so where do we uh, – Fantasy Toolbox, uh, how do we uh, how do we get in touch with you and, uh, and what's going on with us? Well, I'm easy to find. I'm everywhere. Most uh, everybody knows that uh, if you listen to this show, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, you already have it. That's facebook.com slash fantasypa for the Fancy Players Association. Obviously, Red Blue Radio has a Facebook page. Uh, we're on Twitter at Red Blue Radio. We're all over the place. This show does stream live on iTunes. Uh, so there's just so many different ways you can get in touch. But ffToolbox.com is the website. 
Jeff has done such a masterful job at generating traffic, and we're talking about millions of unique viewers a year. And I get the I get the reports; they're just they're just mind blowing. How many people uh, go to the site, check out the content, the articles, the writers that we have a, a staff of writers on hand, and uh, the the site. Uh, has been built to uh, generate traffic, and that's exactly what it does. It does it very effectively. It's the number four ranking on Google for the term fantasy football. You type in the word fantasy football on Google, and there's only a couple that are ahead of it, Mike. I think it's Yahoo, NFL, uh, ESPN perhaps, and then it's fftoolbox.com. So that tells you the power, the generating power of, uh, of eyeballs that we can get on this website. Uh, the the one of the first agendas that we have is to get this to get the website up to par with the modern times, and to make it something that uh, looks attractive uh, to the the new user that uh, might say, hey, what's going on here? Well, we've got these contests over here. We've got daily and weekly games going on. We've got these, uh, and they cover all sports. FF Toolbox has been doing all sports for years, uh, <laughs> full time fantasy, so to speak. So year round, uh, they do golf, NASCAR, baseball. NBA, uh, all, all kinds of stuff. So it's it's a lot of fun. Like I said, it's, it's it's pretty overwhelming. We've got a lot of great support through emails and private chats and Facebook. Uh, I thank everybody for uh, the support, and it's pretty cool, man. I'm 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 really excited to uh, get going and uh, to show everybody what we got. Well, you know, like I said, it sounds like an an exciting adventure, and uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you'll be very successful with it, Scott, and and. Very successful in everything you do. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to everything that you bring to the table. And uh, uh, obviously, uh, every week on uh, Red versus Blue, we uh, we just talk about the industry. We talk about uh, good stuff that's happening, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff happening because we're not we're not facing lockouts like the NHL. We're not facing any other things. I mean, we're just it's. You know, let's face it, we got three weeks to go, so it's time to hammer down. Yeah, you know, it is a short season uh, in, in some of the contests. The uh, We're, we're going to bring on Jeffrey Schmitz right now because he has been doing such a great job. And, Jeff, welcome to Red versus Blue, my man. I think this is the first time you've uh, graced us with your presence, buddy. Well, thanks, Scott, and hello, Mike. Uh, thanks for having me. Hey, good to have you, Jeff. <laughs> Glad to be on. We are super excited to have Jeffrey Schmidt. You know the name by now in the high-stakes world. If you've seen the name Fierce with the exclamation point, you know that you're in for a dogfight. We have the chat room here, the crew, we affectionately call them. Uh, some of the best minds in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. Two-packer, Code Cracker, Fantasy QB, Henry Muto, KO Crew, Code Tracks, Open Field Ahead, Sackett, Urinal Mint, uh, the regulars that we have, plus some guests in the chat room. I'm going to go ahead and start off with an email that I received right before the show started, Jeff, and it was directed to you from a Mr. Jim Perrone. Wish he could call in tonight, but he was going to listen. Please remind Mr. Fierce that he may be good right now, but we are ahead of him in the Super Sat with Chris and I at number one, and he is at number two. Serious note, though, wish him well. Tell him we hope to meet him head-to-head for the 7,500, Lord willing. Jim Perrone. Well, those sound like fighting words to me, so I, I will take note of that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, in all seriousness, Jeff, uh, congratulations. Great season so far. It's not over. Uh, the you, you entered the Mid-Stakes Fantasy Championship there, the Mid-Stakes Challenge, 
And uh, it's been a great start. I've been uh, doing the newsletters there for a couple of weeks, helping those guys out with the newsletters. And every week I saw you up there. It was like, okay, time to do the mid-stakes update. And bam, there's Jeff at the top again. Uh, no change, <laughs> week in, week out. And so I wanted to uh, get you on here. We're going to talk about that team. I First, uh, I'd like to get people to know you, Jeff. Tell them where you're from, uh, what you do, and, and how you got uh, started in this uh, crazy hobby of ours. Well, I, um, I'm from Minnesota. I live in the Twin City area in Minneapolis. And um, in terms of the, the sports, I've been playing the sports since the early 90s when back in the day when you had to, you know, get your newspaper out on Monday morning to, to find out how your team really did. Um, if you remember back in those days, uh, you know, that's, that's where I first got started with it. And I just fell in love with it from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, just kind of evolved over the years to kind of bigger and better leagues and, and find more people that were, more interested in, in competitive like I was, and um, eventually finding the uh, you know finding the, the high stakes leagues, the nationwide high stakes leagues was a natural fit for me because you know I just kind of got tired of the local leagues where you know you have some people wouldn't turn their lineup in and at the end of the year they they might quit because they're having a bad season, you know that that happens when you're playing in kind of some of the lower stake leagues and people just kind of give up they don't care, and so I really wanted to play with uh, you know kind of a higher higher level of, of, of player that that really cares about the game as much as I do. So that's where it kind of evolved and kind of how I got started and where I'm at now. So, Jeffrey Smith. Uh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, how, many, uh, how many high stakes leagues are you in and how many, uh, say, medium, uh, mid-level, uh, low stakes uh, leagues are you in? Well, I would say that um, if you, it depends on what you consider to be high stakes. I suppose that's different for, every, for everybody, but... I'm in a total, this year I'm in a total of, of 10 leagues, but of those 10 leagues, I think three or four of them are, are draft master leagues or kind of what I call preseason type leagues, which I kind of get right. into to, just to familiarize myself with the player pool that year and where people are going and stuff. But in terms of, you know, kind of high stakes leagues, I'll probably say just two or three. You know, one in the FFWC, I have the FFPC team, and, and I play at auction in the FFPC as well. So I would consider those to be my, be my three high-value teams. So I would say three. Yeah. Well, we've got Jeffrey Schmitz on Team Fierce uh, in the world of high-stakes fantasy sports. And <clears throat> I wanted to talk about your level of commitment uh, to this these high-stakes contests. Obviously, you put in a lot of time. Uh, you, you, you've, uh, you're definitely very competitive. And when I look at this team that you put together, it's um, I, I'm assuming that this team, when I look at these players, the draft went McCoy, and then maybe Marshall and Green in some combination. So Brandon Marshall, A.J. Green, Percy Harvin, Antonio Brown. That's a lethal start of four wide receivers. You still need another running back in that equation. You hit on Ridley. you got the Carolina backfield. And uh, then you finish it up with a, with a Jason Witten. So let's talk about that draft and kind of how it fell for you. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking. You know, when I going into the, you know, FFWC, you know, scoring system, um, you know, I wanted to, I realized it was, it was similar to, you know, very similar to the WCOFF where you, you pretty much had to have a stable of, of wide receivers because you have to start at three, you know, and, and so I, you know, I knew right away that, you know, my experience with, you know, going into the three wide receiver leagues, you really got to have, a, you know, a good set of wide receivers. That was my goal. Figure if I secured, you know, McCoy at three, which is obviously of the big three that was what was left over. And I could really go after some wide receivers, and that's exactly what my plan was. Then try to pick up a running back in the sixth round, 
um, whoever was available, Ridley was available, and I just kind of went from there. Now, because uh, FFWC leagues, you know, they're only it's one point for tight end reception versus one and a half in, in the FFPC, you know, some of the tight ends were, were, were I was noticed were falling down, so Witten was still there. I think in the eighth round I might have grabbed him, so I was happy to get him. Yeah, he did have a spleen injury, but, uh, you know, I was going to back him up with somebody like a Heath Miller down the road anyway, so uh, it worked out, and I was happy because I'm a big Witten guy, so uh, I was happy with how the first half of my draft went, but realizing that's only half of it, uh, you know, injuries and everything else, you hope you have a healthy season, and so far things have gone well. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, it sounds like an ass, Jeff, and, uh, you know, the one thing about it is uh, so many people were uh, shying away from uh, Jason Witten. I mean, and but you were able to go ahead and uh, draft him and have a backup plan because you pretty much knew that, well, you know what, the dude's tough, and uh, he'll be back in come week uh, two, three. Yes. You know, if you look at his history, he's had an incredible run of, of consistency in terms of not only his catches per season, you know, in the 75, 80, 90 range, but he also plays every game. And so, you know, he had this, he had this spleen injury and I figured he would be back. You know, the Cowboys need him, especially with, uh, you know, with, with Bryant expected to do better this year. And now that he's a little bit older in the league, I, I figured that was going to, you know, between Austin and, 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 you know, the outside wide receivers they have, that was going to leave a lot of room for Witten and, that was my kind of my plan was to go after him, and I tried to grab him as much as I could, knowing that the, you know he would have value in some of these drafts, particularly when we started to draft him, which is right before that opening weekend where a lot of people were shying away. Um, you know, I thought I'd go ahead and take a chance and grab him. So, and yeah, I, I, I really have to ask this question real quick, uh, and then uh, Scott, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, the the Ogle Tree deal in week one, uh, were you? Uh, did you jump on that bandwagon? Did you leave it off? Uh, or what did you do with it when Ogletree went off in week one? Because it seems like so many uh, so many fantasy owners, you know, they, they really got all over that, and then uh, nothing's happened. So, uh, which I, I didn't get on it myself, but I, I just want, to, want your perspective on uh, the Ogletree in week one and what happened and uh, the ramifications after that. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, he sure looked good that first week. I mean, you know, we were all there and saw that first game where he looked fantastic. And, um, you know, and certainly wide receiver threes in, in many teams now today, you know, they're viable. And I really took a look at him, particularly when he put up that big week. You know, if you're looking at a short season, 11-week season, you grab a guy like that in week one and you win, well, now you're, you know, you're 1-0 and all and there's only 10 weeks left. You know, it's certainly something to think about. Uh, you know, I had a chance to grab him a couple times. He really he went in there for kind of the sixth round. thought that was a tad early in most of the drafts I was I was in. So I, I didn't grab him. But, I, you know, it's something definitely to think about. And that's the thing about having the advantage of seeing that first game is, is it really does kind of play with you a little bit in terms of, uh, you know, your ability yeah. to, you know, grab a guy, you know, there at that spot or seeing other guys fall down when they have bad games. I've seen that happen as well or you know, guys that do well in the first game and you know, they, suddenly they drop. So, um, you know, it was something I thought about, but uh, at the same time, uh, you know, it wasn't something that I, I really, you know, really had a chance to, to grab. So, yeah. I want to throw something off the wall at you here, Jeff, because we talked about Jason Witten. He's been an integral part of your team. We just heard from Rich McClellan on the High Stakes Fantasy Hour. He's been an integral part of his team as he's number one in their contest as well. 
And Jason Witten, 18 catches one week, 13 catches another. <laughs> what makes, uh, you know, we, we're in a scoring system now. I, I, I've all, we've always played points per reception league since the beginning of the first year of the World Championship of Fantasy Football. Lenny and Amol, they came out and they said, hey, PPR is the way to go, and that's the way it's going to be. And, and everybody's kind of followed suit with that. And then you even have, you know, the FFPC that does the one and a half for, for tight end recession. But I've been I've been thinking to myself, I've got a local league here. The guys won't play PPR for nothing. They're, they're used to ESPN and Yahoo leagues. They don't like PPR because they don't think it's fair that people get uh, or players get rewarded for catches when running backs don't get rewarded for carries. And so, I, you know, I don't want to have that discussion with them because high stakes has always been PPR. But what are your thoughts generally on – the whole PPR situation and what it's doing to the game. Well, I tell you, as I mentioned, I, I started playing the game back in the early nineties. And at that time it was, you know, basically touchdowns. That's how you scored points. And um, it was just really unrewarding to watch your, your running back running up and down the field and fall down in the one and somebody else come in and get a touchdown and you got really nothing for it. And, you know, the, the game, there was kind of a need there to, to fill in that void. Well, well, how can we count for this, these good players in the NFL that, that we're not seeing score any points on our on our score sheets at the end of the day, I think the point per reception is the cure for that. Um, you know, you, you, now you can you can you can have stars in the league who don't score. And like Calvin Johnson's got one touchdown this year. I mean, he's uh, definitely considered to be a star. He's having an off year this year, but uh, you know, what would you do with players like that who just don't score? So I think the point per reception is the way to go. You know, quite frankly, I I wouldn't even consider playing in a league that wasn't point per reception now. You know, a lot of a lot of work goes into you know the, establishing your lineup. You know, making sure you you put a competitive team out there, and it's just such a crapshoot when when guys aren't getting points for reception. And you know, if you really do your homework and you, you find out what guys are going to be targeted a lot and and go after those guys, you can put a decent roster out there without having to hit you know to touchdowns every every game. So that's my personal feeling on it. Is I just really don't have an appetite or desire to play in leagues that that don't have a point for reception, but. That's my, you know, that's my personal feeling. I know a lot of people out there like it the other way, and, and more power to them, but uh, that's just kind of how I feel about it, Scott. Well, and, and Jeff, I've, I've felt uh, mirrored the exact same way that you have for years, and I'm just questioning my thought process to make sure I'm still thinking about it straight because these ESPN and Yahoo guys, they don't play PPR a lot, and so I'm wondering if it's a turnoff perhaps for those guys that come in and look at the high-stakes leagues or mid-stakes league, and they say, oh, PPR, oh, I don't like that because they've never played it before. I'm just kind of curious because I did a re- I did research, Mike, and, and what, it, what it looks like this year, when you look at this year's stats for running backs and wide receivers, it's interesting. 13 out of the top 20 players in non-PPR are running back. Seven are wide receivers. With the PPR leagues, 13 are wide receivers, and 7 are running backs. So really, at the end of the day, all we did was we flipped wide receivers are more important than running backs, and we thought we had a problem with running backs being too important. We thought we would level it out, but actually all we did was flip it. Well, you know what? At the end of the day, Scott, though, let's face it. It's like I talked on the show a couple weeks ago. It's a passing game. That's the way it is. It's a passing game, and uh, you have to – you have to have a running back that is enabled to uh, catch the ball in the backfield, and there's going to be uh, there's more passing downs than running downs. That's just the way it is. That's the way it works. And uh, I, you know, if the game will change, it'll evolve again. 
but right now uh, it's it's a passing game. Okay, Jeff, I'm going to ask you this scenario. What's more impressive, two catches for 167 yards or 18 catches and 167 yards? <laughs> well, obviously the 18, and, you know, when I was sitting there watching that game and he was getting uh, reception after reception picking, this is amazing. I'm telling you, if for the Witten owners out there who were watching that, they were just, you know, I'm sure very much enjoying it. If you're going against him, it was just like a nightmare watching that. But, uh, I mean, for a tight end to get 18 catches, I mean, I, will we ever see that again? That um, really was a, kind of an amazing thing to watch. And it was very exciting, and, you know, that's exactly the reason why I like the point for reception. And, you know, holy cow, what, what an evening that was. I bet you were excited. You owned Jason Witten, okay? I was on the other end of it, pal. I was the one that was playing against him. And I'm, I'm asking myself, I'm like, you know what? If Jonathan Dwyer gets 167 yards, that's a pretty damn good day on 20 carries, 167 yards, uh, maybe even a touchdown. Uh, but then again, you've got a guy that catches a ball that is a little different than catching a handoff. You know, it's not the, exactly the same. And he's getting 167 yards, and he's getting 18 extra points on there, so he's getting more more credit for the catches than he is the yards. Right. Not, it's right. not even really. It's not even really a statistic. It's not even a, a. You're not even moving the field. You could have a catch for zero yards and you get a point. And that's that's kind of my issue here. Just to, just to throw it out there for debate because I don't see how that's so much more important. And then to top it off, we have contests like the FFPC. They put a point and a half, and I and I love the point and a half. But when it gets to 18 catches, it almost kind of skews things a little bit. Yeah, but that's that's kind of, it's a rare it's a rare situation and. You know, like I said, if you didn't have that in the, in the absence of having that, I think you'd really have basically running back leagues. Go back to the days where the running backs were gold because they were getting all the touches, and so they were getting all the scoring. It really would kind of limit your pool of players that are really dynamic in the league. And you know, that to me, that's the thing is you want to have more more dynamic players out there that people want because it makes the game more interesting. And if people follow it and they're more interested and they're more interested deeper in the season. And you can come back on a, on a Monday night and get 35 or 40 points on an amazing night. It doesn't mean you're out of it. You don't have to turn the TV off and not watch Monday night football. So it brings more people in the game, and I think that that's, it's good for the game when that happens. That's why I like I don't it. Think, and another thing, Jeff, I don't think it skews anything at all, Scott, because uh, you, 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 you know that going in right away when you're drafting. You know that you're going to get that point or point and a half uh, per reception. So that's what makes the draft that much more, uh, you know, strategic, so to speak. So, you know, going in, it's either I, either I take my chance and, you know, I, I'm going to try to grab this guy that's going to get the, that PPR points for me, or I'm not. So, uh, you know, it's kind of fun to watch, and, uh, and it's been fun to watch. Like, for instance, on Gronkowski, uh, he can do the same thing uh, for New England, but uh, that – for Witten, I mean, that was kind of a freak of nature, but it worked out. Well, again, I, I'm going to echo the fact that I, I have felt the same way you guys have with PPR. I kind of fell in love with it. I'm just wondering if the masses are ready for it. Uh, you know, I know the high-stakes guys are, and obviously we've uh, definitely exposed thousands of teams with the FPC uh, format as well. I'm just, uh, I'm just kind of curious if, if the 30 million fantasy players that play on Yahoo and ESPN, and most, a lot of those leagues are not PPR, and and looking at uh, some surveys, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's real familiar territory. But anyway, 
let's get I'll, I'll get back on top just wanted to just throw it out there it's something to think about and it's a good discussion jeff i appreciate that jeffrey schmitz yeah. is our guest uh team fierce in the world of high stakes fantasy football uh you drafted the carolina backfield i want to talk about that this week and, and we're gonna we're gonna start with a running back that i think we should start this week that maybe you don't normally and and, and jeff I want to I want to look at the Carolina backfield. Have we finally seen the end of the running back by committee in Carolina? I'm sure we all heard that the Panthers demoted D'Angelo Williams and they promoted Jonathan Stewart as the team's feature back. And interestingly, they held true to their words. Stewie touched the ball 21 times, 80 yards, not too shabby against the Bears last week. This week he faces the Skins, who allow the 20th most points to running backs. And I saw Dwyer put up 100 plus against them. I, I like Stewart's value this week, and I think I like it the rest of the way, especially if they hold true to their word with this D-Will situation so that the temptation for Rivera isn't there. What are your thoughts on Jonathan Stewart? Well, I tell you what, guys, you know, it's been a frustrating deal trying to figure that backfield out for fantasy players, and and I'm certainly in that camp. Um, I was really hoping that one of those two guys, Williams or Stewart, would have gotten traded this week. just I think that would increase the value of both those guys. But, you know, that didn't happen. There's not a tr- lot of trades in the NFL. The, the situation in Carolina is, I think, is, is different than it was a few years ago before Newton got there. And that I think a lot of teams, because of, of Cam's rushing ability, are kind of focusing on uh, on the rush and, and, and stopping and keeping guys on the line and keeping an eye on what's going on in the line of scrimmage because he's not going to beat you throwing the ball. Um, and so I think that hurts Stewart. It certainly has hurt Williams. I mean, Williams was a dynamic running back just a few years oh, ago. Yeah. He was a was a top running back. I don't know what happened to the guy, but for some reason the guy suddenly, you know, stopped learning how to run the ball, and I don't think so. I think definitely something's going on there. And so I'm glad that they decided to go with one. I think they need to do that. I think running backs need to get repetition. I think Stewart's a much better receiver out of the backfield. But whether or not, you know, Newton's kind of a, you know, dump-off kind of a guy, I, I don't I've yet that has yet to be seen. So I think they're an enigma, you know, they're – the head scratcher. I don't use either of my running backs from that team unless I have to in terms of putting them in on a bye week, just because they're such a they're such a headache. And uh, you know that's exactly where they'll be is on my bench until until I see some consistency. Twenty one touches last week is good news, um, but you know one week is you know I'm kind of a kind of guy who wants to show me consistently over a period of time, and we'll see. Uh, but that team doesn't put up a lot of points anyway. I trying to try to stay away from low scoring teams and. Um, that's how. That's my feeling on it, Scott. Is I just, I just, I'm kind of in a wait and see mode with these guys. Jeffrey Schmitz is the leader of the Mid Stakes Championship over at the Fantasy Football World Championships. We talk about a, a running back to start this week. I and I, and I want to look at one to bench. And you know, when I'm looking at this, these weekly, this game of uh, this slate of games here this week. It's hard to bench running backs, right? I mean, with guys like Ridley and Gore out on by, you don't have as much to choose from. But I'd take a look at the Bengal-Bronco game. The over-under in this game, Mike, I think it's uh, 47 or so, and the Broncos are probably three or four-point favorites. So that's maybe, what, 22 points for Cincy? It's not terrible. But where's their ground game been, Mike? I mean, in two games, the law firm had a decent number of carries. I'm, I'm looking at, like, 35 carries. But for only 130 yards, and, and in leagues that award point for reception, that's been our topic tonight, eight catches through seven games, that's nothing to write home about. So he's the starter. He'll get his opportunities. But I think the Bronco D's been more formidable. Only four rushing TDs given up all season. 
I'd look elsewhere than Ben Jarvis Green Elk. What do you think, Mike? Well, I tell you what, I, if if the law firm's going to get it done, it's going to be in the first half, and and that's a big if. Uh, let's face it, Denver they don't play until the second half. I mean, we we've seen it over and over again. Uh, I think Cincinnati can score points against these guys, uh, but they're going to have to do it early, early and often. Uh, so I really think that uh, Cincinnati they're going to use uh, they're going to use AJ Green obviously uh, they might use Hawkins a little bit uh, along with uh, Gresham. I really don't think uh, that the law firm is going to be that much of a equation unless Denver doesn't score in the second half and then they'll just pound pound the run game. Jeff, your thoughts on Ben Jarvis this week against the Broncos? Is he a viable starter for you in a in a in a pinch? Well, yeah, I'm not I'm not the biggest uh, BGE fan. Um, you know, the main reason is you know the Bengals tend to fall behind. You know, as, as Mike just mentioned, I'm, I'm, I anticipate them being behind in this game as well against Denver. That means they got to start throwing the ball. Uh, you know, he's not much of a, a pass catching option. So it really kind of depends on how the game goes for Cincinnati as to whether or not you think you can use them that week. I think you do have to do some handicapping to see, okay, is it a game that you think they're going to be up on? I mean, the best case scenario is for, you know, for Green to get a couple of touchdowns right off the bat and, and they'll have a lead. And then they, then they can control the game, you know, by, by running him the ball. But I definitely think that that's kind of a second option for them and because they tend to fall behind and they do want to find, you know, get Green the ball and, and you know, and some of these other guys. So, so I don't know. I guess, I guess I would try to, if you had a better option, I would look elsewhere, but, because of the bye weeks, you may have to start him. So that might be yeah. that might be your situation. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I was thinking, Jeff. Uh, you know, it's going to be kind of difficult, uh, you know, uh, with the bye week. Uh, I mean, even though uh, Scott touched on that there's not that many, quote, former players that uh, that are on the bye, but there's, there's, still, uh, there's still a few out there that you wish you could have and you could plug in this week, and you can't. Our guest this week is Jeffrey Schmitz from Minnesota, the Twin Cities, team named Fierce in the world of high stakes. I'm Scott Atkins, Michael Trent's the co-host as always. And <clears throat> excuse me, I'm catching a little uh, little cold here again. Can't uh, can't <clears throat> can't break this thing. Can't the, the New Orleans situation is getting uh, the New Orleans situation is getting a little uh, a little tricky here. The Darren Sproles situation injury with the hand, and now. Uh, he was. I'm sure that this situation is bringing about the waiver pickups of the week. A lot of people probably didn't think they were going to bid, and then tonight they said, "You know what? I got to jump on here, make some bids." What's your take on the New Orleans uh, injury situation to Sproles and how that affects the rest of the team, Jeff? Well, I tell you what, I think it really helps a couple of players. You know, obviously losing Sproles for both Sproles honors is tough because he caught a lot of passes and he did a lot. You know. He's dynamic back, but I think with his presence there, that really has kind of hurt the overall presence of, you know, Lance Moore and also, obviously, Pierre Thomas. I mean, uh, Pierre Thomas was a top back going in the second round in a few drafts just a few years ago. And, you know, now, you know, when Sproles kind of showed up there, he kind of took a back seat to at least catch a lot of balls. So I definitely think Thomas's value goes way up for those who happen to have him. Um, you know, obviously other you know, running backs are kind of in left for dead. You know, Ingram, he might, you know, have a chance to get some more carries. But 
I think you know, Lance, between Lance Moore and Pierre Thomas, I see some more plays for them, value of them going up. And, you know, I have Pierre Thomas on, a, on the bench in a couple leagues. You know, now I'm going to think about you know, moving him up, definitely moving him up to see how things go. But I tell you, the running back situation in New Orleans has been a head-scratcher for a couple of years. So they want to throw the ball. That's what they want to do. And they really haven't had, uh, you know, much of a ground attack. You know, Ivory's had some decent games here a couple of years ago. Maybe that will come back again. But, you know, they want to throw the ball, and that's what they want to do. So they need players to be able to do that. And I think Lance Moore and definitely Thomas are the ones to look for in terms of a bump up, you know, with Sproles being out. But, yeah, it's tough losing him. He's a fun guy to watch. I'll tell you that. He's, he's a great guy to have on your team in a point per reception league. But, uh if he's out, uh, you know, I think those other guys definitely see a bump in value. Mike, I, I know you play the uh, FFPC Dynasty, uh, or, or you're aware of the Dynasty Leagues, and the trading deadline is tonight at midnight. So we're talking about 24 minutes away from the, the trading deadline. I have a trade on the table. Somebody wants to give me, uh, actually, corn fins, uh, Jeff Tirabasi. Everybody knows Jeff. He wants to give me Lance Moore and Pierre Thomas. He wants Kendall Hunter, Stephen Hill, and next year's first and third rounder, Lance Moore and Pierre Thomas. Do they help you get to the title? Uh, I think they might. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. I would not. Lance Moore and Pierre Thomas did not help you help you get to the title. No way. No, none whatsoever because – they have one heck of a tough schedule in front of them uh, after this week as well. Jeff, what are your thoughts, man? Well, I wouldn't give up a uh, first and a third round for those guys. No way. I mean, that, that's a lot to give up uh, down the road. I mean, that, would those guys help you? Sure. I got souls it makes depends on the makeup of the other players on your team, you know, how much of a, a need you have, and then, you know, really kind of how you're set up for next year. But it seems like a, a high price to pay or you know, what's yet to be determined in terms of how they're going to be used. So I would say no to that, but uh, it's certainly an interesting offer. Are you a big dynasty guy? Talk about your dynasty background. Well, I'm really not. i tell you what, uh, I know that the dynasty leagues have really you know, become more prominent over the last year, so I've really kind of looked at that closely in terms of getting involved. I, I'm not, I don't have any dynasty league teams. I have been following it, um, and I might jump into that pool here in the next couple of years and kind of, as I evolve as a fantasy player, that might appear the next thing I jump into. But, um, you know, not knowing kind of the structure and how guys were going to stick to it from year to year. And, you know, I've heard some nightmares about, you know, leagues trying to build, you know, guys quick and they've got teams that they need to sell and stuff. I mean, I, I really haven't had much interest in that. But it's a very interesting concept. I think it's, it's especially if you got a stable group of guys who are going to be in it for a long period of time, it's neat. And, um you know, it's something that I don't have a lot of experience with, but I think I might jump into it and be down the road. 347-324-5404 is the number. We have a question in the chat room, Mike. I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, Henry Muto wants to know, I am being offered Spiller. I would need to give up Stewart and Chicago defense. He would have no defense this week and have to pick up a scrub defense the rest of the year. Dynasty FFPC, it's a last-minute trade offer. Spiller for Stewie and Chicago D. Wow. Uh, I would I, I'd do that in a minute. That, Me that's too. my opinion. I mean, just for a last-minute deal, uh, sure. Uh, I mean, Stewart's going to be – I mean, I think he'll be uh, 
you know, he he's the number one back obviously this week. And uh but uh I I think I'd take that trade in a bit. Uh Jeff, you have some thoughts on that. You would give you would take Spiller in that deal and give up Stewie in Chicago? I would. You know, I, I'm a big Spiller guy. I, I really think he's a dynamic back and when Thomas was out for the short period that he was, you know, just look at the numbers that Spiller put up. When he came in at the end of last year, he was he was one of the best players in the game. I mean, when you had him in your lineup, you won. I think he's the guy who can make you know you know that's the kind of guy that you want on your team. Obviously, you've got you got I'm sorry Fred Jackson there. You got to deal with him, but you know they're finding still finding a way to, to, to share. So both guys are basically getting running back one numbers right now. I think the upside, especially in the dynasty league for Spiller, is huge. I would be all over that. I would take that in a second. Yeah. And 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 furthermore, uh, to be honest with you, Jeff and Scott, uh, C.J. Spiller, I mean, after the first two weeks of the NFL season, I mean, this guy was a beast. I mean, he was a total beast. Nobody could stop him. So, I don't know. I'd do it. All right, we're going to get back to the Week 9 action. Jeffrey Schmitz is our guest. Scott Atkins and Michael Trent here on Red Blue Radio, Red versus Blue. I always like to get a quarterback start here as well, somebody that you might not normally start week in and week out, and this applies to your team, uh, Jeff. I, I like Mike Vick versus the Saints. Obviously, there's a lot of speculation that this is the make-or-break week for Mike Vick, and if that's the case, I think his job is safe as he draws the worst team in the league against opposing quarterbacks. And and from all accounts, they're historically bad. A 52-point over-under in this one in the Dome. I think get on board the Mike Vick train this week as six of seven quarterbacks that have started against the Saints this year put up 25 or more fantasy points. The only one who didn't was Matt Castle, who was benched. So I think Vick is safe for 25. Jeff, you're listening, right? I know you got him. I would get Vick into your lineup this week. Absolutely. I think in terms of matchups, it's the perfect matchup. If they're in the Dome. Um, he's you know he's going to be on the fast track. Conditions are going to be perfect. His job's on the line. The Saints defense is terrible. Um, you know, he's due to break out from one of those huge games. Um, I really like Mike Vick this week. Um, you know, and so I hope you know this is kind of the game that kind of sets them straight. I don't think the Eagles have really found their stride yet this year. I think that there could be a, a big team in the second half. Um, I'm lo- looking forward to big things from not only this week but. Moving on with Mike Vick, at least that's my hope anyway, because he's my quarterback and a couple, two, three of my teams, and I really got a lot invested in him, so I'm really hoping that he does well. Well, Jeff, you know, I'm going to wish you uh, all the best in the world this week as far as Mike Vick goes. Uh, I put uh, some stock into him uh, for a couple weeks, and I I finally figured it out. This team has no offensive line, none whatsoever. I will, uh, you know, I hate to disagree with you here, but I, I'm going to, Jeff. Uh, I I don't think that uh, I don't think Michael Vick's going to do much at all this week and uh, and beyond. Well, that very well might be the case, and, and I guess I'm thinking about his potential. And when I evaluate a player, when I try to get him on my team, I, I think about, you know, what's he capable of. And, you know, Vic is a, is a guy who can win a league for you. You know, look a few years ago when people were picking him up off the scrap heap and he won leagues for, you know, for, for players or teams just a couple of years ago. That's the kind of player that he has. You know, he can lose rushing ability. You've got some dynamic wide receivers on that team. He's got to be able to find him. Yes, he does. He does need some blocking in front of him. 
that very well might be the case. I don't disagree that there's definitely something wrong going on in Philadelphia in terms of why they're not a little bit better. But, you know, I'm hoping that, you know, after they've had the bye week now and they're coming back, uh, you know, week nine here that they're, you know, they're going to be okay uh, moving forward. And, um, you know, I, I know he, I know they like a, Foles quite a bit, but I right. still think that there's, there's some, there's some tread left on Vic's, Vic's tire. And, and I want to try to utilize that. There's, you know what, there's no doubt about that. Uh, the, the one the one thing that I wanted to bring up is it does it just doesn't make sense to me that uh, Shady uh, Lashawn McCoy he's only getting uh, twelve thirteen carries a game if that and you know there's a reason for that that offensive line is just I mean it's young it's 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 second third string uh, second and third stringers on the offensive line and. That's what that's what keeps me away from uh, starting a Vic or a you know a, a McCoy. I, I don't know. I guess I'm just I'm scared of them. Right. Well, you have to also look what your options are too. I mean, if you if you drafted Mike Vic, you probably took him somewhere where he's made he's your top quarterback. You may have come back and taken another quarterback. You know, I've got you know luck in one league that's behind him. I've been looking at him. You know, I've been very impressed with him all year. But I don't know that I would pull the trigger and start luck over Vic. I don't know that I would be gaining much. Now, that might change. I mean, obviously, luck is very impressive. But, you know, anyone who owns Mike Vic, you've got to look at who your backup is and ask yourself, are they a better option for you? I think in a lot of cases, the answer is no. And so that's where, you know, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I got you. Well, we've got uh, about 15 minutes left here in the program. Jeffrey Schmitz has been kind enough to be the guest here on Red versus Blue, the leader of the Mid-States Championship. That's a that's a nice chunk of change there, man. And I, I'm rooting for you to uh, continue to put good lineups out there. I don't I hate to see anybody leave points on the bench. It's a uh, it's it's quite a, a good squad. I love constructing teams that way. If you can get you a stud running back, and and I kind of think that the PPR format helps the dominant running back be more dominant. So guys like McCoy and Rice and Foster and those guys, those they become even more dominant like that. And you got you one there. You picked you up four great wide receivers. I just love that that quad group of wide receivers there. It's just an excellent group. You gotta love that. To get a guy like Witten and then you can rotate your running R B two around. That is how I won my first league title in the world championship and kinda got my name out there in year two. I did the exact same thing, grabbed a running back and then uh four wide and and it worked for me. It's working for you. And uh, a, a few weeks more to go here, man. But uh, you, the, the end is uh, in sight, and you you got to keep uh, keep rolling, keep putting the right lineup. So thanks for being on Red versus Blue, man. Any last words for the the crew or anybody out there? No, I just I, I want to thank um, thank you, Scott and Mike, for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoy I always enjoy talking fantasy football with uh, with anybody. But you know, with, with serious guys like you, it's even even better. So, and uh, you know. I, I appreciate the, the invitation, and it was it was a lot of fun, and just thank you very much. Oh, no problem, man. And Electric Relish showed up right at the end of the show. He said you are in his FFPC league. He's trailing 25 VPs to 22, <laughs> and uh, Fierce, you're in that league. So uh, thanks again Not for being on the show, man. <laughs> well, thank you very much, guys. All right, that was Jeffrey Schmitz, uh, Team Fierce. It's uh having a great year and you know he's he's always been up there at the top matter of fact i got the rankings from amel he showed me the rankings uh of the uh the contest that he's played in just been a been some really good performances there over the years 
and that ranking will be surely going up after this year. So Jeffrey Schmidt, uh, great uh, great to have him on Red vs. Blue. Yeah, no doubt about it, Scott. And, you know, it's fun to uh, – all the uh, all the guests that uh, that you bring on uh, just gives us better insight into uh, how we can be better at this game. You know, it, it, it's a hobby, but, you know, it, it's a sport. Uh, it's a game, but at, at the same time, we still want to we still want to beat beat the other guy. <laughs> Quarterback to bench this week, Mike. Somebody that you would normally start, or you you may have had to in certain situations with quarterbacks on by, but this week you wouldn't. I'm I'm looking at Christian Ponder. He's been a real popular bye week filling. You know, he's been a pretty good player this year, but I think you have to sit him this week against the Seahawks. I mean, they're the best home team in the league, and. And I know Ponder looked good last week. He threw for 250 and won. His team still lost. Seattle ranks 13th against the pass, and there's also a 50% chance of rain. Shocker. So if it pours on Sunday, it'll even be more difficult for Ponder to get anything done on Sunday. I think I think if if you're counting on Ponder, I don't think that's a a good situation to be in. If Brady, if you had a Brady Ponder uh, this this year, I think you have to bench Ponder. This week, let's look at a running back. Uh, I'm sorry, let's look at a wide receiver real quick, Mike. Somebody that you you want to start this week? Uh, do you see anybody on the table here that uh, kind of sticks out to you? Uh, no, not really. I was I was kind of looking at the uh, at the quarterbacks to bench. Uh, I was going to bench Matt Shaw. Yeah, uh, well, that's that's a popular guy because what the run game gets going right. I mean, you get that run game going, you don't really need to pass. Buffalo. So against Buffalo, the running game gets <clears throat> You know, yeah. I don't know what start or, or bench. Uh, you know, I'm kind of switching gears on you, Scott. The, this enigma that is Calvin Johnson. Uh, what, if you're a Calvin Johnson owner, how do you feel right now? And what's going to happen moving forward? Uh, you know, I mean, the dude's got all the talent in the world and they're going to Jacksonville this week. Is this the week that Calvin Johnson breaks out? Well, Mike, that's a that's a good question, man. I own him in the dynasty, and 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 look, I I think we have to look back to the beginning of the season. At the beginning of the 2012 season, Calvin needed 105 touchdowns to pass T.O. We're in week nine, and he now needs 104. You know, I mean, it's it, it yeah. it's it's pretty depressing, and and I think you have to see that. This may be the time to sell Calvin Johnson and get as much as you can for him in dynasty leagues. You can get a nice price for Calvin still these days. You can get a a Calvin for Julio straight up, or a Calvin for AJ Green straight up, or a Calvin and a package of players uh, for your team. You can really reload because he still has value. But what I'm seeing is everybody is just they're taking away Calvin. They're doing tri- double and triple coverage on this guy, doing everything they can to stop him. And Stafford is regressing. It's there's, it's a double-edged sword here. You've got defenses that are saying they're going to take him away, and that's their game plan and their focal point of the week in their in their strategy sessions on defense. And and Stafford's not looking as good. But what an exciting game for Titus Young last week, Mike. I mean, owners who draft. Yeah, that, that's where I'm going with that. Yeah, that, that's you, where I'm going, Scott. Uh, did did Detroit finally realize that? Hey, we got another option in Titus Young, and. What kind of option does that open up for uh, Pettigrew this week? Well, again, it was exciting. Owners who drafted Titus Young, you did it for all the right reasons. Look, he was playing opposite the league's top wide receiver, guaranteed to draw double coverage, 
in that pass-happy offense led by a quarterback who threw for 5,000 yards, right? And it's his magical third season for wideouts. But through five weeks, all we had to show for it was like 120 yards and a touchdown. So over the last two weeks, with Burleson done for the year, it seems to me, Mike, he's arrived. Nine catches, 100 yards, and two TDs last week. This is no fluke. He's not flying under the radar anymore. And I think he'll do it again as the Jaguars try and take away Calvin. So I think it's a it's a good little uh, good little investment to to grab a Titus Young in a dynasty league right. late night action late night trade before the deadline go after him pay the price you can get him I'm not ready to give up a Decker or anything like that for him I think the number two for Peyton is more valuable than Titus Young you know for Stafford but I, I but, but 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 on the other side of it if you're a Calvin Johnson owner you got to be liking the fact that. Titus Young is getting that. Get him hey. touches. Because that's going to free you up come uh, week 11 uh, going into the fantasy playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I would I would go for Titus Young if you're a Calvin owner. I, I, think it's a, I think it's a wise decision. I also like Nate Washington as a deep threat against the Bears as a flex option. I think it's okay. I think, you know, if, if anything, the Bears can be done. They can get beat, beaten deep. Uh, I know you got your peanut guy there. but And then Steve Smith, who hasn't scored all year. You know, for for the Carolina, I think he should hook up with Cam Newton against the Redskins. The Redskins are pretty bad also uh, against the pass. And I think Steve Smith can get it on the board this week for his first touchdown against the Redskins. If you want to bench somebody, Mike, what do, you, what do you got here? I mean, what's happened to Joe Flacco? This offense, which started so strong, has completely fallen asleep on fantasy owners the last few weeks. Nobody has been more affected then Torrey Smith, nine catches in the last three weeks. Granted, it was nice to see a huge number of targets last week. He had 13 targets, but it turned into four catches for 40 yards. I think the problem starts with Flacco, and I don't know, Mike. I, I don't know. While Torrey, he might blow it up this week against the Browns. Great matchup. I hope he does, but I don't think he'll be in my lineup on principle. I see it being the same thing uh, this week. Uh, I think they're going to use Ray Rice, Ray Rice, and Ray Rice all day long against Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's got a pretty good defense. Cleveland's no slouch. I mean, this team's pretty solid. Uh, when Flacco needs to go to the air, he's going to do it. I mean, uh, Torrey Smith, he'll get his, and, uh, you know, the others will get the rest. But I, I really think it's going to be a Ray Rice show for uh, Baltimore this week because uh, they're going to try to pound and pound and pound the run. Yeah, and I don't think I can. I don't think I can start uh, Tory on principle unless I see him getting in gear. I've started him too many times and been disappointed lately. And I've got other options, so it depends on your options. Obviously, if it depends on how far the drop off is to not start him. So I don't want to just throw it blanketly out there. He's a good. He's a good guy to get in a, in a chance. I mean, anybody that gets 13 targets and can get deep uh, is is dangerous. But I'm just so disappointed. So. Well, and again, Mike, uh, for defense, look, I, I hope everybody took the Chargers last week. They could, they plugged them in this week against the Chiefs. They were the best matchup on the board, in my opinion. Castle's a turnover machine. But I'm going to give you the Detroit Lions this week. They square off against the Jaguars, who are without their star, MJD, and they're trying real hard not to win, giving it up seven times in their last four games. They've allowed 14 sacks over the same period. Mike, don't be surprised to see – Newcomer Mike Thomas of the of his old team, the Jaguars, get in the return game for the Lions. So, 
Even with the injuries to the Lions secondary, I think you plug the Lions D against the Jags this week. And I no know comment. I know you're not going to comment on defense, Mike. I know you're going to continue to miss out on these 20 point plays that I'm that I'm trying to bless you with, but you know. <laughs> no comment. Yeah, we've got the Dwyer situation. We have, I, I guess it's Isaac Redman is going to be the the get a significant yeah. amount of carries there. I, I I think that's the situation that you probably, you know, I wouldn't feel terrible about throwing him in the lineup. It's not something I'd be looking forward to, but it's uh definitely somebody that can they get into the lineup. And then you've got Chris Johnson, Mike, going up against the Bears. I mean, he's been red hot just the last couple of weeks. What do you do with yeah. him this week? I mean, you got to start him, but what's, start your, him. What's, a, what's a realistic projection for him? You got to start him, and uh, I think he's going to, you know, it, it's tough to tell with Chris Johnson because, you know, he can go uh, t- uh, 20 carries for a, uh, 60 yards or he can go 15 carries for 190. I mean, the dude has combustible speed. I mean, he's amazing. Uh, I think he's going to, I think he's going to have a good week. I mean, my projected would be over 20, which that's what you want out of a running back. Uh, I have a stud running back. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple of other guys that I like this week. I like Mike Williams uh, in Tampa against Oakland. I like Vincent Jackson, too. I like them both. I like Darius Hayward Bay. I like Denarius Moore. I like that. That's going to be a good – it's going to be a fun game to watch. Tampa Bay and Oakland, I think it's a little bit underrated in terms of historically being fun to watch. I think the players there for Tampa have been improving, and I think Oakland – Along Carson Palmer, those guys are improving uh, as well. I think it's a, a it's a little it's a fun team to watch. Yeah, I, I think it will be too, Scott. And you were throwing uh, Darius Hayward Bay uh, out there. Uh, would you rather have have Darius Hayward Bay or Denarius Moore right now? Uh, I'd rather put Moore in until I see a little bit more from from uh, DHB. So I definitely put Moore in over that. I like this Minnesota Seattle game. I think it's intriguing enough to take a look at. What Sidney Rice is going to do now that he's getting healthy? He's he claims now he's 100% healthy, and you've got injuries to almost all the other wide receivers there besides Golden Tate, so they don't really have much else to throw to. And it's going to be Marshawn Lynch, obviously, against Minnesota. You're going to try to run, but I like I like what I'm seeing out of um, I like what I'm seeing out of Sidney Rice the last couple of weeks. I think that's going to be an interesting game. And then Green Bay versus Arizona, Mike. Has there been a more lopsided uh, game on the board than this win. I I think Arizona is just quickly, quickly falling apart from looking very good right now. Just an absolute train wreck. They are, but uh, I forget who Green Bay played last week, and it kind of looked like the same situation uh, where Green Bay was pretty much, uh, you know, a double-digit favorite, and which doesn't happen that much in the NFL. And Green Bay was in a dogfight in the third quarter, and next thing you know, they they hit third gear. So uh, yeah, that's Jacksonville. The reason that, yeah, Jacksonville, exactly. So uh, so could could this be the same type of game? I don't know. Arizona, Green Bay knows Arizona's not that bad of a team, and you know they're going to play good defense and they're going to be right in the game. So uh, I would start uh, I would start your Randall Cobb. I would start your James Jones and. Uh, you know, because it could be that close of a game. You never 18, know. 18 touchdowns and two picks for Aaron Rodgers in his last five games. That's just so totally unfair. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, 
It's not even right. Uh, Dallas at Atlanta, Sunday night, Mike. Give me a winner in that game. Dallas at Atlanta. Does Atlanta continue their win streak, yes or no? Uh, I say they do. I say they do. Being a Cowboy fan, uh, I would like to see Dallas pull that out. But uh, Atlanta at home, uh, they got got things going for their side. I mean, they got everything going in the right direction. So, uh, yeah, I, I see Atlanta keeps it going, and uh, the 72 Dolphins, they're still holding on, and they're still going, oh, don't do this. Does New Orleans get off the schneid and get a win against Philly? Wow. Uh, that's going to be a close one. I, I really I really think they do. Uh but I, I just think Philly's going to give them one heck of a game. It's, that's that's a tight one. Monday night, I am. Um, I, I it, it'd be very hard to. It'd be very hard to believe that New Orleans can lose in the dome uh, on a Monday night game. That place is going to be crazy. They're going to get. If if they were zero and eight, you know, the, those fans would be rowdy and crazy, and you'd have a twelfth man type element there. Going to be matter of fact, that's the game, right? Uh, no, it was New Orleans Atlanta when they reopened the the dome, but that was against Michael Vick, and they owned him that week. So I could see that right. happening again, where they just really uh, get out. Although I do think Vick will get it going against that defense; he'll get plenty of points and fantasy points in the second half. I just think that New Orleans will probably jump out all over them in the first half. Miami versus Indianapolis, Mike. Uh, Indianapolis was predicted by a lot of people to win anywhere from three to five games this year. They've already got four wins on their plate. Do you think they get, get uh you think they get win five uh this week against Miami? Well, you know, that's kinda a funny answer question because how many wins were was Miami expected to win? <laughs> I mean I mean these these are two teams that, that were expected to not do very well and to be honest with you, uh I'll give kudos to the head coaches because both teams are fighting hard just to win games and get some respect. Miami's defense, Miami's defense is incredible. Their run defense is great. Uh, I like uh, I like Indy in this game and a close one, but it wouldn't surprise me to see Miami win this. Buffalo versus Houston. We know that one's kind of a foregone conclusion. There, you got to start all your. All your Texans, and you got to put uh, Spiller in there. You probably have to put Fred Jackson in there because of the work that he's been getting as well. Steve Johnson is a must-start. I don't think I'm too high on Scott Chandler. Baltimore versus Cleveland. Richardson proved that he can do what he needs to do, but this is a tough matchup for Brandon Whedon. Anytime you have to play Baltimore, no matter how dinged up they are, that's going to be hard for yeah, a quarterback. I'd no, be hilarious. It's not that good right now. I'm a big fan of this. I'm a big fan of this Bronco Bengal game, dude. I'm really. I don't. I don't know how ecstatic we have to be here to you know Peyton Manning. Watching him every single week is just a, a thing of beauty, and seeing him with the Marius and Decker and the tight ends and Virgil Green, by the way, a nice dynasty stash for you. He got into some action last week as a tight end, and he's a he's the type of tight end when you know when Dreesen didn't get a single look last week. You know he was basically a blocking tight end now. Uh, that they've got Virgil Green completely healthy, and they've got him learning the playbook. They've got Virgil Green out there and getting some looks, so it's going to be Virgil and it looks like Tammy as the wide receiver threats for the tight end position. And uh, I, I think he's a dynasty sleeper that you want to keep an eye on. 
Well, that that could be. Uh, this game in particular, uh, like I said earlier, I mean, it's going to be a shootout. Uh, Cincinnati gives up points, and Denver gives up points in the first half. So, I mean, this game could be – this game has a, a 31-27 or a 38-31 to uh, 31 written all over it. And then finally, Mike, uh, I see this uh, this game that we didn't talk about, um, Carolina versus Washington. We talked about it briefly with the, the Panther running back situation. But with RG3 hooking up with Santana Moss, I guess Santana Moss is now a, a flex start for guys because he does get into the end zone, but not a, not a real good one. Pierre Garçon still injured, not back yet. And it's Alfred Morris is the only other guy that you, you look to start. Yeah, it, it looks like uh, that Washington uh, being a three-point favorite. But here's what here's what's interesting, Scott. They're a three-point favorite minus one fifteen, and Carolina is plus three minus one hundred five. That means that line is being pushed to three and a half. Uh, so, you know, I think uh, I think Washington they're going to use uh, Alfred Morris. They're going to use uh, everything they can uh, as far as the passing game and uh, basically win the game. I mean, Carolina's going to come. You know, you know, Carolina's going to come. Cam Newton's frustrating. I mean, he's very frustrated with everything that's going on. But uh, I still think Washington's going to win this win this game comfortably. All right, Mikey. Uh, look, we have the uh, undefeated Cardinals uh, to talk about. They play a, a tough game Saturday against Temple, and that's another trap game there. They, I know they have to get past Rutgers later in the year and a couple of other games whoa, as whoa, well. Whoa, 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 whoa! I don't see that game on my schedule. They're they're a top they're a top ten team in the NCAA's right now for the BCS. Things are looking good and rosy here in Louisville. And then I'm going to give you props real quick on an NBA player that I absolutely enjoy watching, Eric Bledsoe, man. A guy that was on the bench for the Wild is actually tearing it up in uh, in the NBA already. So it's pretty pretty neat to watch this kid already tearing it up for uh, Chris Paul's team, the Clippers. Good deal, man. He, he is fun to watch. He is fun to watch and. Uh, You'll, you'll see a lot more of that out of Anthony Davis if he has some help. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you for the chat room, the crew uh, here at Red versus Blue. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's been a big week for, for me and uh, my time with the full-time fantasy guys, the uh, the FFWC. I really have a lot of respect for Ian and Emil. Uh The uh, decision was not an easy one. I, I'm a big fan of, of this industry uh, I, I, it's something that I love, and I'm and I'm I'm really excited to jump right in, help them out to have a better experience for the players, and uh, that's what we're going to try to do. I like the guys at the FFPC, Dave and Al, good friends of mine, but at the same time, uh, there's a there's a there's room here for for uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people to get involved in this industry. It's it's growing by leaps and bounds. I see new contests and new sites spring up all the time, so I wish them nothing but the best. They're going to continue to rock, and and I'm going to continue to play. I'm also going to continue to play the NFFC. I'm going to play as much as I can and uh, keep it keep it rolling. And I just hope that you guys will uh, take the time, come over to the site, come over to the boards, check out what if you haven't been there already. And I think we're going to put out a really good product that uh, we're going to enjoy next year, Mikey. Yeah, yeah. 
Justin, well put, Scott. Well put. All right, guys. Thanks again. Red versus blue. We'll be back week 10. You've got only a couple of weeks left to get uh, get into the playoffs. So do what you got to do and uh, make it happen. Don't leave any points on the bench. We'll see you guys next week. And uh, thanks for listening.